You are listening to the Desire to Retire podcast. The podcast that reduces that sense of feeling overwhelmed when you think about your retirement. You can go from woe to wow with your retirement plan. I'm your host, Estelle Kelly. Now, on with the show. Welcome to Desire to Retire, Ready or Not. We do know what we are retiring from, but less certain is what we are retiring to. Hello, I'm Estelle Kelly, retirement coach, and together with Alice Mantell, a Sydney-based lawyer and author, we're going to dispel some of the unknowns and uncertainties that professionals have when they are thinking about retirement and planning for retirement. Now, Alice has, is the author of a book, Every Woman's Guide to Retirement. And you can purchase that from Alice's website, mantelladvisory.com.au. Now, the title for our series of chats, Alice, is Facing Retirement Without Fear. And last time we chatted, we um, talked about becoming retirement ready. And I know that today you've got for us 10, at least 10 concrete steps we can take to prepare for retirement. So we're busy professionals. We've got decades of work behind us, but that retirement, it's on its way. So what's the first thing that we should do to prepare for retirement without fear? Um, the first thing to do is to set the date for retirement. Now, uh, there was a time, uh, certainly within my memory, when people should have looked forward to that retirement date because you got the, the gold pen and, and had a big farewell and it, was, and it was a fantastic event. These days, you'll be lucky if you get that. You might get a big card and you might get a gift voucher if you're really lucky. It just hasn't got the sort of appeal that it used to have. And there's reasons for that. You know, it's a much more casualised workforce. We're not likely to be in the same work for workplace for many years. Um, so our relationships with our workplace isn't the same as it used to be. Um, when you start, what you've got to do is set that date and should to set it at least six months to 12 months ahead and stick to it. I mean, that's actually the really important thing. You need to announce it to your friends and to your workplace. There is sort of basic things that you need to do, like tell your uh, HR department that you're intending to retire. Um, but um, before you do that, you've actually got to start disentangling yourself from the workplace. Don't get involved with the personal issues. Don't get on with get involved with the planning issues for the future. You're just gradually stepping back and letting them work themselves, those issues out in the workplace, because then it's not as important. You're not essential to that workplace. One of the other things you can do is think about training someone to take over your position. You know, that succession training issue, because that's making it clear to you, clear to the workplace, that you're not going to be long, be there forever. Um, it's, one of, it's really common for people to, to uh, set a date and then to sort of delay it and procrastinate and say, oh, but we've got one more project to do, you know, I've got one more thing to do. Um, you need to set that date and to be clear about it. Doing something like setting a holiday, planning for a holiday is not a bad way to 
to mark the end. Um, mm. and, and, and people often do that to give themselves a reward after all that work that they've done. Uh, when, when is a good time to retire? There is an in, in, form, in the form of tax issues. I would always say about halfway through the financial year because your working income is taxable. If you get a pension from your super fund, generally it's not taxable. So that reduces your income in that financial year. And that's a good thing. Um, so, you know, doing it also in December, something like that, means that you're doing it when people are going on holidays and you can have the enjoyment of going with everybody else. It's not just you being out there by yourself. And just to remind yourself, you're not just going on a big holiday when you retire. <laughs> you're actually going to have a new and more meaningful phase in your life. Mm, I love that word, meaningful. <laughs> yeah, because I was chatting with a, um, a gentleman, 63-year-old man from a university background, um, and he was saying how he uh, his work had uh, morphed into a change through a restructure, but he, he found, and he had the skills to do the job, but he found it just wasn't as meaningful anymore for him. In fact, he found that his volunteer work he was doing out in the community on the weekends gave him more satisfaction to his life than after 40 years in a career in full-time work. That is a great story really, isn't it? Because that's the case for many people when they are self-directed into something they really want to do. I mean, doing the mm. same job for 40 years, it's bound mm. to not have the same excitement. And then when you sort of have that feeling of powerlessness, you know, that's the job is being restructured, the workplace is being restructured, your skills are not being used in a way that you find meaningful. And you said to yourself, well, you know, I can find my own meaning. There is meaning outside of the work career. We're, mm -hmm. we're very sort of work-oriented in our society. You know, we think that only our value is only work, mm -hmm. uh, when we are a lot more than just our jobs. We certainly are. Now, Alice, you're a, a lawyer. I know that you worked for decades in um, a, a practice that dealt with families and elders. Um, and when we're facing retirement, we have to begin to start thinking about um, end of life. Uh, it's, nobody wants to think about it. I know that. But it is a pretty important uh, thing to get at those legal issues in order before we get um, too far into retirement. Too and old. <laughs> too old. Yeah, that's what I was really trying to say. Thank you. Yep. So what would but you look, like? Let, let, me, let me just say, if we're going to talk about wills and, and preparing for that end of life, there is a view that anyone over 18 years of age should have their own will. Mm. And that's the reason, that's really simple. We don't know what's coming. All right, there are, there are many stories about people and wills. I mean, the, the, um, to a slightly macabre story, let me say, um, is about a young man who was in his late 20s, so relatively early, but he decided to take his own life, all right? Now, this is a, a thing of great sadness for me personally. Mm. Um, but what he did was he had on his phone 
Um, he made these mobile, he, he texted messages as to how he wanted his property distributed. And, and this, this case actually is a, a legendary case. It's a first off case about, is this making an appropriate will? You know, is this an intention, a testamentary intention? And the court said yes, because he said, you know, this is this is I, when I'm no longer here. This is what I want done with my property. He he knew what he was going to do, and he prepared for it. Um, and that's all that is required. Um, so I mean, there are formal, in general terms, there are formal structures for a will. You know, a will must be uh, signed by the person who made it, and it has to be witnessed by two independent witnesses. Um, it is possible to get the court to to reinterpret the will, but you know, let's not say that's not the way you really want to go. My view about wills is that they should be, reflect who you want to benefit in your life. You know, who do you want to give your assets to? Who do you like or not like as the case may be? And there are issues about people you don't like. People often use it in wills in a number of ways. They use it to, um, punish people, for example, kids that are naughty kids, um, and they also use it to reward kids they like. This sometimes works, but not always. Um, and, and, you know, you do need, it is worthwhile, let me just say, do it yourself, wills do not work. Having a will done on the whole is not very expensive, all right? Most lawyers charge minimal fees, um, I'd say less than 500, even for very big firms will do that because, um, a will is actually a public good because it stops a lot of family fighting. And um, so it is not the cost of the will. And the cost of doing one of the most significant things you will ever do in your life and, and doing it yourself and ending up with a very bad result um, is, is really far worse because the court costs to your family will be massive. Um, and, and let me say, this can be really a really fraught area. Um, an example, again, of a case where a, a bloke did a um, his do-it-yourself will. And he's, you know, in his will, he said, I give everything to my wife, Dorothy, or whatever her name was. But what he forgot to do was to put an executor in. Now, he intended, I would say, that Dorothy should have been the executor. But this, this is a minor thing, you know, but because it was a do-it-yourself will, he just didn't fill in that line on the on the form. And that made the will invalid. All right. And what is the, why do that? She had to go to court to have it reinterpreted, all that kind of thing. When it, it would have been simple, but it's an easy mistake to make. So for the sake of doing it, spending a couple of hundred dollars. I strongly suggest everyone should have a will. Now, say you're a good little person and you have your will, but you did it 10 years ago. Yeah. Go and look at it again because your executor might have moved on. They may no longer be your best friends or your solicitor may no longer be your best friend. Um, you might have, your family relationships might have changed. And this mm. really does happen if you, you go back and look at wills and I have done this. Um, you know, the... The person doesn't exist or they've got children or they've got grandchildren mm. all that kind of thing you need to make sure that it's relatively current i would have thought that anything a, a will should be sort of five years old at the most um and and make sure that you keep your will in some somewhere where people can find it <laughs> um you, you, there are numerous cases of people saying i did a will somewhere but i can't remember <laughs> where i put it um 
But my only caveat to that is sometimes, and it depends a bit on the family, you don't necessarily need to tell your kids what they are or are not getting. Again, because this can be a way that, if you have a number of children, that they pressure the person to, to change their will. Mm. Um, you know, so it's, it's, you might not want to tell them. I mean, you, you, if you think, well, I'm just going to be equal, everybody gets an equal share, that's fine. But quite often that is not the case. Um, and in which case I would be a little more uh, circumspect about where I keep my will. Uh, so they don't do that sort of pressuring thing. It's well, a very I've, common form of elder abuse. I've got a follow-up question for you then, Alice, because I've yep. had my will done by a lawyer and yep. the will is um, kept on the in at the office of my lawyer. Mm -hmm. Now, what if my lawyer goes out of business before I carpet <laughs> ah all right um technically they are supposed the person who takes over their practice is supposed to advise you that they have taken over the practice all right i would always my view is that you would keep the original yourself um and leave them with a uh, with the copy but most the traditional lawyer let me say would always keep the original themselves and give you the copy so you should certainly have a copy in your somewhere amongst your things yeah. Uh, along with all the other important things in your life, you know, such as a certificate of title for your property or your car registration, all that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Alice, for that advice. That's uh, <laughs> usually the last thing we think about or it is, or we don't think about it until, yeah, we don't have that capacity. And do, and do not leave making will to the last moment, you know, when you can no longer, you know, decide for yourself. Having a good capacity, mental capacity to make these decisions is better off earlier in your life than later. Mm, yes, and um, circumstances do change. So, yeah, we have to go with the flow, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> Um, Alice, mostly when uh, the word retirement is mentioned, people's minds automatically goes to the dollar sign, like how much money have I got and all that sort of thing. So before you're saying you're suggesting that we set a date for our retirement and we stick to it. Um, and I'm wondering, are there what are the things that we can do in the financial field to um, smooth our way towards that retirement date that we've set? All right. Um... There's quite a few things that we can do in our personal lives, but there probably are some formal things that are useful as well. Certainly, you would want to advise your super fund, perhaps a bit closer to the date, you know, like within a month or two of when you're actually going. Advise your super fund that you are retiring and what do you intend to do? Now, most people retire and tell their super fund and say, yeah, I want to have my, my uh, super fund change from the accumulation stage to the pension stage. And then the pet, they will ask you, well, how much do you want? So normally it's, say, you're going to retire at 65. You say, well, I want 4% of my super made drawn down as a pension. So that you will get, that will advise you how much it's going to be. And so that when you, you leave your job a month later uh, and you can decide how often you want to be paid, fortnightly or monthly or whatever, um, your pension, your super pension will arise. So that's one thing. Um, and, and the other formal thing, um, besides telling your work, I suppose, obviously, um, is, is deciding whether or not you think you're going to be eligible for an age pension. So that depends on the whether you're eligible for 
um, the pension, which varies from anywhere from 65 to 67 at the moment. Eventually it will be 67 years for everybody, but if you're in that transition stage, which I can't remember what years about, born around 1960, it's still somewhere between 65 and 67. Mm. Um, and then, okay, and that will allow you to decide by filling in, you have to go to the Centrelink website. Um, it will decide whether or not, so the, the pension looks at your assets and it looks at your income and then decides whether you're eligible for the pension. So that's the formal thing. I, I If you've got a super pension coming in, you probably can wait for that. Um, but those are the two formal things. In terms of personal things, it's a really good time to review your finances and look at paying out your debts. So particularly your mortgages, my my first suggestion. Now, there's, I've got a whole lot of things on this and I, I won't go into it um, <laughs> in, in great detail on, on this occasion. Um, the other thing you can do, because at this stage, um, is also make some additional super uh, payments. That's a useful mm-hmm. thing. Um, so that's another step, I suppose. Um, you know, so you can contribute up to 27000 every year, and which is non, um, non-taxable, so before tax, that is. So that's a, a, also a useful thing to, to move some of your money yes. into that. But, but I would certainly say that you need to have pretty much all your debts paid off before you start doing that. Yeah, uh, increase the comfort factor. And that yeah. um, making those um, additional payments, um, that's, you know, with the effect of compound interest, they can make a difference in the end. They might not oh, be yeah. huge sums of money, but... It's that's the um, beauty of compound interest, isn't it? Yeah, and the super funds really are doing well. I mean, if you look at them uh, in the last couple of years, despite everything, uh, my super fund averaged about seven, eight to twelve percent interest. I can't do that if I put my money in the bank. No, the super is doing it miles better than that. And the good thing is, you know, once you hit sort of sixty-five, you can take lump sums out of your super if you want Mm. the money for something in particular. For example, paying off your mortgage. Yes, yes, or, or that special holiday that you've been hey, thinking about right. for years. Yeah, that's right. yeah. Um, there are. I, I became aware of the fact that there are some um, no-cost uh, financial uh, assistance out there for us if we bother to track it down. Um, what did you have you found out there, Alice? That um, won't cost us personally to find out more about our finances in oh, all right. There, there are um, most super funds will run seminars for their members, free okay. seminars about finances. They do it quite regularly. Mine advises me with regularity. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of organisations like um, Council of the Aging. They run seminars every now and again. Mm-hmm. And Centrelink also runs their financial advisors, run very good seminars um, mm-hmm. to talk talk about um, you know, when Centrelink is advised, you know, is available to you and what the, the limits are on assets and income and all that kind of thing. Mm. It, the age pension, let me say, is not always that simple. Um, I certainly would go to every seminar I could find yeah. um, to talk about uh, what, what is out there, you know, what's, what's free. You know, this information is worth a lot and it's not necessary to go to a financial advisor straight off. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I know people do this with, with regularity, and I have done it. Um, let me say, mine was not such a great experience. Um, 
Yeah, but sure. you know, I, and the and part of the reason was my own ignorance. Let me just say, um, I didn't know what to ask, and if I had asked uh, the right question, perhaps I would have had a different result. So that's why I think informing yourself in as many ways as possible, reading. You know, I read the the Sydney Morning Herald, and you can be the age, I suppose, um, to to you know those sort of financial columns to understand, you know, how these things one might affect me. Yeah, thanks for that, Alice. Um, you know, it, like I, I was a bit surprised that um, like the the union that I belong to, they ran seminars mm, yeah. on how to organise your finances for your retirement and. Um, my one of my banks did the same thing all very helpful and no cost, no cost. to attend yep. yeah yep. Yep. so yep. there's a lot out there when you start looking isn't there <laughs> yeah well there's you know we the, the thing is the retirees have a lot of money out there you know we mm -hmm. we actually are a financial force in the economy yep I believe so. So, <laughs> okay. Now, Alice, um, in uh, preparing for retirement, um, I'm thinking of the the social aspects uh, that can change once we leave that full time work place, and um, you know, we're not spending ten hours a day or eight hours a day at work. What's going on there? I wonder. Oh, usually a lot. I would say. Um, I think so the minute you start talking about retirement, your family is going to be very interested in what you're doing with your time. You will be surprised. Um, <laughs> you know, so if you've got anything, I mean, the obvious thing is looking after grandchildren. I, this has happened to me in the last year. All of a sudden, I'm going to be losing a day a week because I want to look after my grandchild. I can see that's going to go on for some time. Um, so there's one day a week already doing that. But there are other things as well. Most, most. Um, so, as I just think I discussed in the last time round, uh, last podcast we had, some most retirement is voluntary. You know, it's planned for. But if it's involuntary because we don't plan for it, because something happens, for example, our own health, we have a health event that suddenly causes us not to be able to work, or our partner or a family member has some sort of health event. I think you'll find that your time spent caring is actually going to increase considerably. Mm. And, and really, time is the most precious thing that we have. Um, it's actually more precious than money because it's something you can't pay enough for. Um, so a lot of people uh, find that they are caring for partners uh, or caring for grandchildren. Mm. Um, I've got friends that had ended up um, caring for their grandchildren full time because for various reasons, their child was unable to care for the three children. So they took on, and these little kids were still at primary school. Um, they became full-time carers. It was the end of their retirement, I can tell you. Yeah. Um, you know, lots of things can happen. Um, and there are some things that we just voluntarily take on. Um, so, so, in certain, so there are just those basic things, that's the family things. And then there's the wider, the wider world. I was thinking about this actually this morning for some reason. I thought, you know, if you were going to categorise our lives in terms of, of 30 year spans, ages of 30 years, the first 30 years is about developing ourselves. The next 30 years is spent developing our immediate family, doing things for children, that kind of thing. The last 30 years is about improving our society. 
about all that information, all that experience that we've had, we can give to the wider community. So voluntary activities is certainly one way to go. And there's a million things you can do um, in terms of helping people, uh, you know, people you know, or just people uh, in a formal sense, you know, being a visitor to a nursing home or a visitor to a hospital or, you know, being a dog walker at your animal shelter, if that's what you want to do. Yeah. Um, there are those things which are, are purely, you know, I suppose altruistic. Um, there are things like that I've done. For example, I've joined um, various boards as a um, as a member, as a community member, um, and that allow. The reason I like it is because it means that I keep learning new things. I can get to use my legal experience in a different way. Mm. Um, so, using experience that you've already got in a different way is a useful thing. If you were a, a trainee or something in your in your working life, suddenly you can use that in helping working in a men's shed or that that kind of thing. There are lots of things out mm. there. Um, there are also things I think in terms of um, you know just what what actually interests you. You know, we spend um, a whole lifetime often uh, completely repressing things that we really started our life wanting to do. I mean, I have a number of friends who were very good drawers and painters at school and, you know, life intervened. Suddenly they've got time. They've taken up, you know, going to drawing classes and art mm. classes. They go out on expeditions and go around the harbour and paint the harbour bridge and do all that kind of thing, yeah. you know. doing, you know, And they've got, there's a social activity there, but there's also, you know, they're, they're creating artworks. They have an art exhibition every year. Um, and, and, you know, they've, they've got the best of both worlds. So, I mean, being interested in, in the things that you really enjoy, so it's a great time for doing that, you know. I mean, it, um, and, and my one of the other things that I'm doing that I think is really important is to stay physically fit. Now, and uh, looking after our health is something that's going to not only extend our life but actually extend the quality of our life. And yes. This is really important, you know. The days of, of being a 65-year-old sitting around in the fireplace with our slippers, it's not <laughs> going to – it's you will be, you know, you won't last very long if you keep that up. Oh. You actually have to go out and do things. So, you know, mm. there's a whole bunch of things you can do. I um, I go to seniors classes at, at my local gym and I can use the gym itself if I want to. Um, and I've I and it's a great thing because I get to meet in, in where I live people who have been living in this community for all their lives. Mm. And so I find out about community we chit chat while we do our exercises and stuff and it doesn't hurt a bit you know like I'm <laughs> getting healthier and it doesn't hurt I'm learning a lot and enjoying social contact as well so I think yeah. you know all those things are really important as, as we get on and and you have to start from that to do that before yes. you've actually retired you know you start looking around and thinking oh I'd like to meet that person I'd like to do this yeah. um and get started before you actually retire. So it's just this easy transition into that new stage of your life. Well said, Alice, yes. Um, some research is showing that um, maintaining social connections 
uh, is the third most important thing for us. Um, you know, first, you, our health, like you mentioned, and most people, yeah, you have to have some income while you're retired. But yes, maintaining those social connections, otherwise we, we're a bit prone to fall into that depression or anxiety yes. mode. And that's not good for our mental health, you know. No, I absolutely yeah. agree with that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, thanks for all those ideas, Alice. That's, um, yeah, let's stay connected to our, especially to our local community. I think that helps a lot. Um, now, I remember reading about probably 10 years ago, Alice, that I, um, like I'm a person, I live on my own um, and I'm in my, I'm in the, that final stage of life, the last 30 years. Yes. <laughs> the third age, it's called. The third age, that's right. Um, and I read once that you must invest in yourself. Um, now, they weren't talking about money necessarily. They were talking about the things that you've mentioned so far. Plus, um, you know, keep on educating yourself. Uh, have you got any suggestions of, to things that we can do in that area? Uh, look, this, it depends on what you what you really like. Um, I just caught up with a friend of mine who has started to go to the University of the Third Age. It's an online course in various things that she wants to do. She's in the, in the regional area, so um, that's working for her. And um, they're very reasonably priced. Their, their courses are really good price. And it's again, it's a case of, of, of sharing people's knowledge. So there are formal courses. I'm thinking if I really do, I want to do this, would I go through a formal university course? Because um, I, I, you know, I spent my life writing. So I'm thinking, you know, maybe I should actually go and, and get that, that, you know, piece of paper that says that I can actually yeah, um, I've got a doctorate or whatever. I, it's just a thought whether I don't know whether I want to put the time in at the moment. Mm. Um, so there are those kinds of things, but there's lots of other activities. Certainly, or their community colleges offer lots of courses. Mm. Um, I mean, I I, I do think um, I looked at some research oh, also a long time ago um, where there are some people that never want to do that sort of formal course work, and I can understand that. But I do think that being part of a group that's involved uh, in doing something, for example, I mean, like Rotary, for example, it does does terrific projects that really involves people um, and allows them to contribute their resources. I think it's important um, in terms of when you were talking about mental health, um, you know, to feel that we are relevant and that we can contribute in a, in a positive way. I think that's a very important thing as we get on, um, it's a two-way thing. You know, it's we contribute to others and they contribute to us. So being part of a social group, um, I think, is really important. And also, if you think about it in terms of, of your work life, your work colleagues, to a greater or lesser extent, and your family were probably your mainstream life for many years, you know, 30, 40 years. Um, we really don't know the places that we live in. Uh, we don't know the people who live there because we don't have time when you're working. You know, you, mm -hmm. you run out the door at 8 o'clock, you come back at 6 o'clock yes. and, you know, and that's your life, you know. And if you see your neighbour, you just sort of wave, hi, hi, that's mm -hmm. it. Um, mm -hmm. You know, whereas to actually live, you know, have time and, and uh you know, get to know people a bit better so that mm. it's actually, it helps ground you in the place that you live. Um, I could talk about housing. I'm not going to do that particularly, mm. but 
But I do think it's an important thing about, you know, being comfortable where you live and to be, um, you know, to feel engaged with it. I mean, like I just, in this last week, I've, I was uh, babysitting uh, my daughter's dogs, you know, so I did the dog walking thing in the mornings and evenings. And there is a whole world of dog walkers out there. Yeah. You know, I get you get to say hello to them every morning, you know. And and but it's it's great, you know. I recognise the people. I probably recognise the dogs better. Um, but um, you know, you know, it makes me feel connected. You know, mm-hmm. I'm comfortable. I can say hello. You know, I don't just. I'm not just a, a faceless person in in a very big city. Yeah, and. Um... What I've discovered, Alice, is that, um, and I think this is especially since COVID, uh, like here in Victoria, we weren't allowed to go five more than five kilometres from home. And all of a sudden we started discovering that in our local neighbourhood, uh, like our, our local municipality, for instance, provided so many services and means of um, keeping in touch with the big wide world, educating ourselves and... Mm forming um, new social connections if, if we felt that, that we needed um, a bit more of interacting mm. with real people rather than yeah. on, on the, the laptop. So, yeah, you, yes. you've just got so many um, good suggestions there, Alice. Um, now, uh, there's a, a whole lot more we can talk about, I know, Alice, but I'm going to finish for today. Yes, and sure. um just say um, that next time um, Alice and I are chatting that we're we're going to talk about future proofing your retirement so you can start thinking about this now at the age of 50 55 60 whatever you are and um, Alice thank you so much for all those tips that you gave us today Um, I know that they are valuable and that they're real you know, we're not talking pie in the sky. Um, we haven't mentioned cruising once, have we? No, not once, <laughs> although it's in my head. <laughs> it's something to plan for, for sure, oh, yes. and enjoy when we, because we've got the time now. So thank yep, you yep. very much indeed, Alice, and we'll be in, uh, chatting again uh, next week. That's great. Thanks a lot, Estelle. See you next week. Bye. Yeah, bye for now, Alice. Bye. <laughs> It's so much fun chatting with Alice. Um, Now, I'm Estelle Kelly from uh, Desire to Retire, and I have no-cost podcasts at my website, retirementlife.coach. And, look, I would love to hear your retirement story or your your thoughts about retirement that's coming up for you. So uh, you can give me a call. My contact details are at retirementlife.coach. Or uh, you can find me on Calendly. I have a a booking service there, um, calendly.com forward slash retirement life forward slash let us chat and just book in a time for us to have a conversation that would um, be really good to hear your story. And thank you very much for being one of our um, participants in these chats. So I'll see you next time when we are future-proofing our retirement. You have been listening to the Desire to Retire podcast. Want to check out how well you are progressing in planning for your retirement? 
to gain some clarity on planning a meaningful retirement, try the simple, no-cost tools, or access this special three-part podcast series at retirementlife.coach. I am your host, Estelle Kelly. Thank you for listening.